Hello, welcome to Mark Langley's Horsemanship Podcast. I'm Jenny Barnes. And I'm Mark Langley. Mark, you're in WA at the moment. Yeah, we're down in the Margaret River um, at a really lovely place here doing a well, four days worth of clinic. Uh, while we're in WA, we've been doing pop-up clinics because of um, yeah, the current COVID status, which everyone's probably aware of throughout the world. But yeah, so but uh, we've managed to have a bunch of good people be able to fill our clinics here. So, and yeah, some new areas, which is great. Okay, Mark, your first question is about long reining, kind of. Um, it's from M. She has a young filly who she started under saddle. Um, sorry, she's starting under saddle. She's good with groundwork. She understands what she's asking. And she's done long reining, both with the bit and bitless. But as soon as she's on her back, she doesn't seem to understand the rain aids. What can she do to help her? Yeah, um, it's hard without the crystal ball or the little uh, to be in the fly on the wall when, you, when you're working um, with your horse, especially in the long reining or steering. Now, just for everybody quickly, long reining is something that you do for a certain amount of time not it's something you wouldn't do <clears throat> a heap of uh, especially if um, you want to teach the horse accurate rein aids under saddle so it's really good to get a horse to bend and flow and steer and commit to the reins commit to the backup also really good to get horses um, understanding to be really soft within their boundaries and and uh, loosens horses up really nice especially the rein around the hips and things like that and they can you know move over and things like that but something i'd really think about is a good lesson um is if in the long range instead of sort of driving forward and steering you might just want to get behind your horse and after you've established a nice flowy back up and you probably want to do this in a halter or a side pull a little bit more than a bit to start with is just get the horse to really bend and maybe you can walk off to the side and that inside rein will roll around the horse's hip and it'll just step over in the hip and just bend and, and, and rebalance through the hindquarter. Then you might get a moment where you just lead the horse through so it really follows the rein and turns. Um, so sometimes if you don't have rings on the side, you can actually just walk out with the rein a little bit and open it up and the horse will step in a little bit coming towards you and then you can send them off. But the idea is um, some horses kind of just steer a little, steer a little, but if they actually hold a rein, they don't really hold and lead into that rein. They get a little bit fragile. And also when you're on your horse's back, maybe you just got to get in there and hold a little bit and don't ride your horse forward. So before you even think about riding forward and asking your horse to go and then steer and stop and back up, just use the reins to motivate your horse under saddle to start with on the first ride. So basically um, we're going to take up a rein and just wait until the horse it might bend and fight a little and if you if you know if your horse is comfortable with you getting on and it's and it's been okay then maybe you have to hang in there a little but obviously be careful if it is his first ride that under pressure it might just get a little bit uh, fragile and, and a bit panicky um, if you put it in a little bind so if, if that was the case then you'd probably have to go back to the ground and work on that horse committing to the pressure but but I think I'd sit up there and just maybe hold an inside rein and wait and the horse will bend and be a little lost and fight a little and when it loosens it will loosen a little and it may not move its feet straight away so it'll kind of look like lateral flexion a bit if it just gives it a little bit and that's kind of okay on the young horses in the sense that they'll bend a little um, and then you just might hold the feel in there and just wait and if your horse is still a little lost and bending you might cluck or create a little bit of energy and, and, and the idea is your horse will just kind of bend and follow the rein a little it'll just get it to move its feet to start with and it might go in that direction 
and then you might do it the other rein and you just keep doing that with a bit of a bend till the horse follows the rein around follows the rein around um, and they just may be a little stuck um, another thing also is if you can get your horse to steer on the ground around you in the saddle nice and softly and swap sides then step up in the steer don't fully commit to your horse and have it um, you know ask it to travel while you're standing in the stirrup ready to step out so your toes only just in the stirrup a little bit and you step up and balance over the saddle take a take a take a bit of a bend in the in your horse and trying to ask it to move into that bend around you while you're standing in the stirrup and you do that on both eyes uh, both side uh, both sides and then when you sit in the middle of your horse it might be easier for your horse to feel follow the, follow the feel of that rein around and maybe just work on steering for a little bit till your horse is very comfortable at following the rein around but I wouldn't suggest just going forward, getting a walk up and then saying, hey, steer now. I'd probably just teach the horse to start walking through steering uh, and following a reasonably tight bend around both ways and just see if that helps. Um, I'm sure if you commit a little more in, in some areas and wait a little bit and, um, have the, and, and then the horse will learn to lead out with the rein, it'll, it'll start to find its balance in the reins. Um, but yeah, good luck with that. Okay, spooking is the next question. It's from Takara. She had, she's asking, is it normal for a horse to spook at something that he sees or hears that scares him and then spook at everything else after that, even though just minutes before he walked calmly? She banged um, her leg and kept her ground and got his attention back, when he was, which he was responsive to. But then he just continued to spook at everything around him and he is, was holding a lot of tension. So what do you do after that? Uh, do you get to do you do some back and forth or do you, do you get ask him to soften but on a plus note he has had some really big spooks in the past and each time he has come back to me quicker and has softened quicker which is a win sure is yeah good on you Sarah. I know it's a long road sometimes and um and 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 he, he he is a pretty special horse in his own way so the fact that you're making good progress means you're, you're doing a good job with him um and yes horses once they spook once, if it was, they, they can carry tension after that. So just imagine if you were walking along and you thought it was pretty safe and then suddenly there was a gunshot and a bullet just went into the side of the wall beside you, I think every everything or every shadow after that you'd be a bit jumpy. Um, and that's what happens to horses. Sometimes he, but you've got to remember, always go back to where he was and the horse he was and don't, don't sort of remember that so you're always worried. But what I'm saying is, he was a pretty tight, spooky horse, and though he's starting to let down and relax a little more, it's been common for him to sort of bottle up a lot of anxiety and then spook a lot. So he's getting better, and he's probably um, managing himself a lot better due to your guideline, your guiding and stuff like that, and, and helping him through. But um, he's still going to have spooks, and then after that spook, you'll have the horse that you're kind of used to holding on to tension. So basically, sometimes a big enough spook might make that, that worry cup three shots full, and then he's then every every little spook after that just, just is, you know, it, 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 it makes a bit like a hair trigger kind of thing. So yes, it is common that some horses will, after one spook, suddenly become a, um, more more worried about other things happening because suddenly that put the, the, uh, the worry in them. Um, and you're doing the right thing, you know, by sounds of it, you're trying to change his thought. Now, just think about it. I'm not sure, uh, uh, you know, if you're riding this through, you're not trying to necessarily always get the horse to think on to you. You know, it's not about think on me, think on me. Um, 
it's let go of that. That's what you've got to really think about. You're trying to get the horse to let go of the worry, not here, come to me. So when you're doing your first pick up of the rein, you're doing it to say, let go of that. And you feel him let go of that. And he might think over there and you ride him off. And then, and then you might take another rein and say, let go of that. And yeah, you might have to back him up and say, back up till you feel him let go of that worry and start to go, yeah, yeah, I'm more present, I'm here. Um, and yeah, you might have to do a few more things, but the trick is kind of, with, with it, because it's, it's hard to say, and this is why, you know, video uh, questions and answers, they're really good, but also I can only give you a sort of a bit of a broad idea on the answer, but um, the effectiveness of your reins and how well he steers and all those things determine how well he lets go outside. So if he's still kind of a bit bracing his turns in a comfortable environment and things like that, then, then he's not going to let go so easy outside so and, and and i know you're quite aware of that through through me helping you at other clinics but um but yeah i would probably just interrupt his thoughts get him to let go of that soften a little and then and then maybe give him a little pathway so he can l relax a little more into you know your ideas opposed to worrying about everything out there so that could mean backing up for a little bit doing some turns but if you don't get it right you know you see people doing lots of turns on horses and they cook them so you've got to be careful you don't cook him, and that's really important. Um, so let go of that, follow a fear, let go of that, follow a fear. That's, that's a really um, important thing to do. Okay, Sarah has a question about when she's with her horses in the paddock. So she's got a group of horses. It sounds like they're mostly mares. And um, whichever horse is... Sorry about the kookaburras in the background there. They've just started cuckooing. Um... Um, when she's padding a particular horse, she has a mare, an Arabian rare, who she says is really possessive and jealous. And she'll just suddenly come at whoever she's spending attention on um, with her mouth open and try and kick. So she's wondering what to do because it happens so quickly. There's a little warning. It's not like she's the top horse in the group. She's more like she's the second most dominant. The horses have got plenty of room to move around and get away, but it is dangerous. So does she have to avoid socialising with them in the paddock as it is a group? And it's difficult. She wants to walk out and check on them and she wants to say hello to the ones that are really friendly and coming up to her. Yeah. Interesting, interesting, and that's not so uncommon. I think one time along a fair while ago, I might have had a similar question come through, but also when I've been traveling, doing lessons and clinics, I've, I've had that same thing come up in the herds where there's a, a horse that kind of wants to demand that person's attention and, and then um, basically it sort of either pushes the other horses off uh, or gets, you know, tries to cut in and say, hey, I, I want this and get aggressive on the other horses. Education is the key to part of that. So uh, there's one angle you're going to look at with her, and I don't know the um, the relationship you have with her and her know, uh, understanding your body language without the other horses around. So basically, there's something you've got to teach all horses, and it's how to understand our body language. It's just like when a young horse goes up to another horse, um, especially horses that a young horse. You don't have to do a lot to show them body language, but uh, other horses that have been handled a lot and had people all over them, they actually don't really know how to know when we've turned on or off in our communication with them. So I think it's important without the other horses around that you, you address or try and look into if she's willing to turn off uh, and turn on with you. So what I mean, say for instance, you put your hand out 
she reaches out, has a bit of affection with you or whatever you do, and then you might take your hand away and maybe look over there and turn off a mo like um, turn off the body language to her and maybe talk to someone else or look at something over there. When you turn off to her and you direct your thoughts somewhere else, you've stopped engaging with her. And if she still keeps trying to engage with you and she's still a bit funny or pushy or, you know, mouthing or whatever, whatever she's doing to interact with you, if you find that when you just um, uh, take your, your, your interest off her and put it somewhere else and she's still, you know, on you, then she, she doesn't know how to... Um, she doesn't know when you've turned off her and that's important that she learns that if that was the case so without the other horses around it's important that you can say okay we're talking to each other now you respect all her space in the same way and you might put your hand out and don't don't come into her space without her also allowing you to engage with her um, but when you turn and do this it's important she knows that you're not engaging with her anymore and she stands quietly and once she understands that she knows when you're with her and not with her and that's without the other horses around so if, if she doesn't understand that you can sort of say you know hey I, I don't want to be engaged with now she might come in and you might go hey no I don't want to and you might just wriggle or do that or something like that you know pat your hands on your legs or and she'll go oh, oh okay and then when she stands quietly and she switches off um, not not shuts down but just stops trying to engage with you then you know that she's um, starting to realize that you're not engaging with her and that's your body language but when you turn around you say okay now we can engage with each other and she'll go oh, okay yes let's engage and then you might okay I might do something else now and look at the roof or you know look out there at the grass or oh, you know just want to see if there's any weeds and and then and then she might go oh, okay you've stopped talking to me now so I'll just stand quietly here and and then she knows um, you know, I guess the um, the body language in, you know, having a conversation, I guess. And then when you're out in the paddock with her, I would suggest maybe going to her first and give her her um, little bit of attention that she likes. And before the other horses come around or anything like that, and, and you know, you can engage with her. And when you're out in the paddock, you do the same thing. Okay, I'm looking over there, I'm doing something else. And she knows that you're not emotionally attached to her and you're thinking somewhere else and you show her if she wants to come in uh, and, and your your body language is saying I'm looking over there I'm not talking to you right now if she sort of wants to interrupt that then you show her no don't interrupt that because I'm, I'm not engaging with you and you're just showing her how you know that you're sensitive but y you know you're not and just like a horse I've seen so many horses well I want to go and have a scratch so a young horse goes up that mutual groom that mutual groom is really nice and I want to go and scratch you and the other horse goes I don't want to scratch now and no oh, all right I'll have to go find someone else okay and they learn very quickly um, through body language when and when not to and that's important we have that established with our horses when and when not to and it's just simple signs, it's the same as people, like, you know, someone standing there, you're talking, um, they're going to wait until you've finished that conversation and you've come across to here. And, and it's important our horses understand that, otherwise they're always lost around us and tend to carry a lot more anxiety because they actually don't know where or where not to be. And that's the worst thing about it is sometimes they hold tension because of that. So back to the herd, you're showing her that. 
So when, she, when you leave the conversation with her, she knows you've left the conversation with her. You've already given her time. So she's had that, she's had it first. It's like the horse that don't feed that horse last. It's stupid sometimes, so you feed that horse first. So then you don't have all this extra anxiety. Um, so you give her that attention and then say, I've turned off now. Now, because you've turned off and you've shown her your boundaries, when you have turned off, when you walk over to another horse, you engage with it, but very quickly when you see her try and interrupt the conversation from a distance, you want to show her that you're interrupting our conversation. And she learns that to listen that you're not engaging with her. Um, and, and it's important you just be thoughtful of that as you go around the herd. And I think that'll really, you know, maybe help her. And I think she needs to understand that because um, I think it's important that, that you have established that leadership in, your, in yourself so she understands to, to listen to that and, and, and not bully the other horses because you're with them. Thanks, Mark. That's yeah. great. All right, thanks, everyone. Um, as you know, you can always get Mark's video trainings online and you can do his challenge if you're new to Mark. It's a great way of getting into his philosophy. Otherwise, thank you very much for your questions and we will talk to you soon. Thank you.